to the rewind i'm josh and this is a podcast where i watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends today's episode is on happiest season and i'm happy to be joined by my friend kayla stetzel who we were lucky enough to grab before she risked it all to run out of town with aubrey plaza kayla how yeah, are you i totally would have done that <laughs> who among us would not i i, I, I you're, you're not hearing any arguments from me uh, but uh ha- happiest season is the is the new holiday rom-com from writer director cleo duvall who uh, it's her second movie she's more well known though for her acting roles but uh she wrote this movie with mary holland who also is uh plays one of the roles in it and we'll talk about her because i think she's probably the funniest part of this movie it stars kristen stewart as abby and mackenzie davis as harper they are a couple who are living life happily in pittsburgh though Abby, who is an orphan, has not met Harper's family, despite the fact that they've been dating her for over a year. On their way to spend Christmas with Harper's family, Harper tells Abby that her family does not know she is gay, and uh, they think Abby's just her roommate. Uh, a big reason for this is, Har- aside from Harper just being afraid, as any closeted person would be, to come out to their family, is that her dad is an aspiring politician in what seems like a very conservative Pennsylvania suburb, so she doesn't want to put his career at risk, uh, but they still decide to go forward with the weekend, pretending to be roommates. Over the next few days, hijinks ensue. So, Kayla, I learned about you right before we started recording that you're actually not generally a big rom-com person, so the question I was going to... So the question I was going to ask you to start, not before I realized that, was as someone who uh, maybe still has some points of reference for rom-coms, even if you're not a rom-com fan, is when you hear, hey, we're going to have a, you know, a uh, something that has all the trappings of your tr- traditional romantic comedy when a family gathers together around the holidays, but it's going to be a, it's going to be a gay story about a mm-hmm. gay couple. Uh, what are you hoping to get out of that story that you, that maybe you wouldn't get out of just seeing like your a regular family come together around the holidays? You know what's interesting? Uh, I just thought of this because you asked this question. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if the reason why I'm just not that into rom-coms is because they're so aggressively straight. That could very well be the thing, you know? But yeah, coming in this movie, I was just really excited to support a queer director, queer story. You know, I love me some case too. So I was like, I'll watch it. She's in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just really excited to see, I think, hopefully, like, moments of queer joy, queer fun. Because usually... We're moving slightly away from that. Um, at least as of late, there's been just a lot of long and brooding gay period pieces. Well, did you see the tw- the, the, the the viral tweet about give lesbians electricity in movies? So they, yeah, they, I mean, there's, the there's lesbians definitely got some good <laughs> modern queer films that are out there. But even still, <laughs> even when they're modern, it's like traumatic, right? Sad. You know, maybe somebody dies because there's the whole barrier gaze trope. Um, so I was just excited, like, hey, we might just get a normal mood, like a normal, you know, movie where it's about just being fun, being goofy, um, being cute. So that made me, I think, really excited to see this movie, even though I'm not particularly drawn to rom-coms or holiday films. Yeah, well, it's funny that you said that because uh, you, you made that comment about them being like, you know, aggressively heterosexual and yes. I, I, I watched The Family Stone for the first time a week ago, which is, uh, I mean, I, I think there's a, at least for me, there's kind of a floor because I, I like, I kind of like these movies. I, I, I like seeing family banter. I, as someone that's stuck in Florida, I enjoy the, the aesthetic 
Uh, yeah, nice white I, holiday. I, yeah, I like the cold weather and all that. And there is one gay couple in the family stone, but it's largely uh, straight outside of that. But I just kind of thought, well, well, yeah, the, these movies have a formula. What it'll be really cool to just watch this, watch that kind of movie, but just have the central characters be gay mm-hmm. and see what that what 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 makes that different. So I was a little discouraged actually when you get we get to this part of this movie where it's like, oh no, the the, the hook is going to be that they don't know she's gay, and the reason for that is because she's worried that that's going to ruin in her dad's political career when we are over 15 years removed from having a Republican vice president who had a gay daughter. So it's like, yeah. if, if, if that didn't, if that didn't ruin it, it with a Republican party in the Republican party in a time before the, even the, the democratic party was pro gay marriage, then like, it seems like a weird hook for a movie and it's going to be like a barrier to get over. But that, that, that was a thought I had because I was just, I, I wanted it to be like your traditional family coming together movie and not have mm-hmm. like that be the hook of it. And would that be hard to get over it, that, that part of it maybe almost, didn't bother me so much about this movie so much as the fact that one half of that relationship was actually kind of toxic and yeah. I and that maybe ended up being the bigger barrier though I would say I still found a lot to enjoy in this movie in spite of that it's just that it, it was certainly kind of like a glaring flaw in the movie where I still think you could maybe have that character make that somewhat illogical t- t- 2020 decision to not talk to her family about that yeah. But but you still could have like maybe framed this movie a different way where you ended up rooting for the central couple more. And I think that's kind of this the, the big thing with this movie. Yeah, see, I I just want to I think I don't I don't know push back the correct term here, but yeah. gay people and queer persons are still very much marginalized almost everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm from Indiana, um so I've seen like a ton of that. And even in like really open communities like in California, it's still absolutely horrifying <laughs> to come out to your family. Definitely. So did I not mean to say that things are totally 100 percent great for gay people these days. Yeah, I just thought it was an yeah. interesting hook to the movie is all. Yeah. And I know a ton of other people had a lot of issues with that because it's still like um, making someone's queerness like the heart of the movie rather than just having characters who happen to be gay in it. Um, but I do think I mean. That seemed very believable to me. I could I could okay. have seen myself kind of falling into that trap. I mean, I came out pretty late, only a few years ago. I'm almost 27. So, I mean, I, late bloomer, a late bloomer. Would I have lied to my family about somebody that I was in love with to stay close? Absolutely not. No. So um, your dad could be the mayor of a town of 10,000 people? <laughs> yeah. And that, that would just make me more afraid and more nervous, I think. But then I, I probably would have bit the bullet sooner, especially if I had, you know, a really loving, supportive and hot partner like Kristen Stewart <laughs> by my side who would like hold my hand while I like, you know, nervously came out to my family. Definitely wouldn't have uh, lied. I don't know. My only problems with this movie was literally just Harper as a character. But we can unpack that as we go. And I want to also mention for listeners one of the main plots too, plot points was Abby was planning on proposing to Harper over Christmas because she loves Christmas. Um, like her girlfriend loves Christmas. So that was also like, that's really our relationship wise, very serious, very much in love, like gonna want to be married. But, you know, her whole family thinks that she's like this sad orphan who is straight, which is just kind of funny, you know? So I did kind of get a kick out of the family just being that tone deaf and that weird that they where um, Mary Steenburgen plays Harper's mom and mm-hmm. uh, I mean at, at one point she basically just says they're saying oh I, they just assume she was in an orphanage and yeah. she says I, I, I wasn't in an orphanage because because I was 19 when my parents died and Mary Steenburgen somehow like makes the line work oh 
one of the lucky ones. And then, yeah. I mean, Kristen Stewart, who's not, I mean, I think she has the ability to be funny in moments. But that's one of the interesting things about this movie is that it casts as its leads two actresses who are not known for comedies and just surrounds them by a bunch of hilarious people. And so Kristen Stewart has a couple of very funny moments throughout this movie where she's uh, getting to just play off of just how ridiculous this family is and is able to just say, well, when she says, oh, you're one of the lucky ones. And it's kind of hilarious because she's in a very precarious situation throughout this entire movie trying to like, uh, make this family like her, but while she's not being herself. And I think that it does create a lot of great moments for Kristen Stewart to be funny, even if she's not, a comedic actress by trade. Yeah. Um, I was very impressed with her performance and that's not a shock to me. Um, and also I love comedy setups where the audience is in on the joke, but nobody else is except for maybe the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's beautiful. I think, yeah, that allowed for a lot of really just kind of dry, um, moments of humor there. And see, it's interesting. Cause like as a queer person, watching that movie, probably a different experience because it's just like, LOL, straight people. What is their deal? What's going on with them? Because for me, I just, I know what it's like to sit at a table and have everybody be, you know, straight up heterosexual. And like, that's just so funny to me. Like when uh, her high school boyfriend like ambushes the dinner and they're like, oh, Connor. And like all of her friends are like making eyes at this guy and you're just standing there and pretty much every guy is just some dude to you. <laughs> you know, you're just like, oh, yeah, this guy. It doesn't resonate, you know. So We're, like, we're not that special. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's hard for me to wrap my head around. Like, even when I hear my friends talk about their boyfriends or, like, some dude they think is hot, I it doesn't hit me. I don't really – I'm just like, sure. I, don't, I have no basis of grounding that in my reality because it's not true for me. So that was funny to me. I think, like um, – just watching Kristen Stewart just try and sit there um, in her, like, very queer-looking outfits and just watching, you know, um, like, Connor kind of, like, try and put the moves on and all these Harper's old high school friends being like, he's so dreamy. That made me laugh a lot because who is – I mean, I've been there tons of times where it's like, you know, everybody that I'm with is like, wow, like, that man's so attractive. You should go talk to him, Sabrina. (laughs) And I'm just like – Okay, like, sure, you know, um, so that was humorous to me, and that's, I don't know if that was a no, it was, it was funny. Yeah, no, I know. I, I thought the movie was hilarious. And, I, and I'll probably what, what I think I actually want to do is I want to ask you about that Harper stuff first and get kind of get that mm-hmm. out of get that out of the way. And then or, so and, much and then, Yeah. And, and, and then I kind of want to run through all the stuff I still thought was funny after we mm-hmm. after we maybe beat on the movie a little bit. But okay. first of all, let me ask you, because, I mean, the Harper stuff is pretty serious and whether it's prob it's prob parts are problematic and parts of it provide, uh, you know, for the more you know dramatic moments of this movie. So let me ask you before I ask you about that specifically. Did you always think the movie despite the fact that some of this dramatic stuff might have had some fairly problematic aspects to it, did you think it still balanced its tones pretty well? Because that was one of the things, I, I went back and I rewatched it last night, and I and thinking maybe I would get a different perspective on it uh, after I've now watched the whole movie up until the last 20 minutes, knowing what Harper ultimately says when she kind of, you know, says what she hasn't been able to say her whole life at the end, maybe I would feel a little different about her and have a different perspective on it. And I wouldn't say I necessarily did. I still think like you, you kind of said you were the same way. You're, you're, you're pretty solid in your opinions on that part of the movie. Mine were the same, but I, one thing I did kind of notice was I could kind of recognize as I was rewatching this for all the stuff that was still pretty problematic that I didn't really feel like I was getting any kind of tonal whiplash. I still found all the sweet parts of the movie very sweet. I thought found all the very funny parts of the movie very funny. And I still thought it, it still weaved in and out of like those really dramatic parts pretty well and 
didn't really feel like it was getting cheap laughs off of me when it did decide to be funny. Did you always find that the movie was effective in that regard? Yeah. Off the top, I should have just loved this. I enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was honestly, it was difficult for me to watch. At times, it really stressed me out. And at you've done times, it three times, so you've really put yourself through yeah. the ringer, I guess. <laughs> no, it, it literally, and what's, what's very interesting to me, too, is, you know, um, most of my friends are queer or lesbians, and we all kind of had, like, oh, this is kind of traumatic, or this is triggering, or, you know, it makes you sweaty, um, <laughs> or like, oh, like, my heart is breaking for Abby right now. But that aside, I really enjoyed this movie. I think it's it did, you know, it did have a tonal balance. It wasn't like, well, this is too heavy. I think just one thing that they did a little wrong, and I think if they just did just a minute or two of this more, it would have given us, I think, maybe a better tone throughout, is we never saw Harper at her best. We never really saw, yeah, there was a beautiful, like, cutesy lead-in animation where you kind of see their relationship blooming, and... But other than that, well, there's, 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 there's the first scene where she invites her to Christmas, but she's only yeah. kind of doing that because she's a little drunk and caught up in the moment. And then, yeah, that's that. They're also very cute and sweet. But like, you don't really get the bot. I'm not bought into them. Yeah, you just met them. Yeah, yeah. Couple. You just met them and then you kind of get thrown into Harper being ultra closeted and putting your girlfriend in this rough position. So I think maybe just because there was not that big of a buy-in initially, it's harder for people to understand where Harper's coming from. Maybe if you had her some credit. Yeah. Maybe if you had a few scenes, I mean, I think it's a, I, I, not that I'm saying I want this to be a two hour movie because you generally don't yeah. want comedies to be two hours. It's just, they're not, those aren't the best comedies, but maybe if you'd had a couple scenes early on watching them live their life in Pittsburgh together, yeah. Watching them hang a little out. Little snippet. Watching them hang out with uh, with Dan Levy. I'm I'm forgetting his character yeah. off the top of my head because his name's John, I believe. Right. Because uh, you don't actually really see him share the screen with Harper at all until maybe the end. Uh, mm-hmm. His scenes are all basically one in person with Kristen Stewart, the rest on the phone until he shows up at the end. Yet it's it's inferred at the end. Uh, we're, we're, by the way, we're going to spoil this movie. I'm not talking around the ending. Yeah, uh, no spoilers. It's, 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 no, we are spoiling Spoiler it. Spoiler alert. Oops, it's, 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 it's easily accessible on Hulu. I'm sure people have watched it. It's been out for a month. I still wanted to talk about it with Kayla at this point because we haven't even hit Christmas yet, so I think it's still timely. Mm-hmm. But at the end, when Harper tracks him, John and Abby down, she's like, oh, John told me, told me, told me how to uh, track your phone or whatever. So it's like it's clear they have some kind of relationship. So it would have been cool to like see all them in their element, living their life in Pittsburgh to give you something to be a little more invested in and yeah. so you're, you have a little more to a little more of a point of reference for why you want to root for them in the first place i like that pittsburgh aesthetic too i really want to f- figure out where they filmed this uh, i think they it says they filmed in pittsburgh but i'm sure they filmed the small town in like a suburb that just looked like the coziest little place uh I know. Very cute. but I, th- I think that the, the scenes in pittsburgh looked really cool too i've never been to pittsburgh uh even though i'm from philadelphia i've just never really been to that part of pennsylvania i would like to go to it now because i liked the parts where they filmed i would have liked to have hung out in that world a little bit more see what their life is like with her as a reporter and them hanging out these cool looking places in pittsburgh and then maybe it's like oh we know what the idealized version of their life would look like and what harper looks like as you said at her best and now we have something to really root for as opposed to just uh all of a sudden cheering for your protagonist to run away with the uh her partner's ex which is what a lot of us found ourselves doing as we were watching this movie um yeah and also i mean like I said prior, you only see Harper at her worst when she's super closeted. And like, as of that, you know, as a result, 
we have nothing to compare that to. Mm -hmm. We also don't know how much she's suffering because we don't know how much she's changed. You know, very often in the movie, Abby's saying, you know, I barely know her now. A couple days ago, I was so in love with her. Now I barely know who she is. She's acting like a different person. We've only seen her as that different person. We don't have like, you know, yeah. the version of free, live an easy Harper. Because maybe that's the person, you know, that Abby fell in love with. The audience hasn't had that experience, so we can't buy in as much. So when the very sly um, Riley comes in, <laughs> very kind, non-toxic Riley comes in, it makes so much sense for me for them to be a couple. Um, and, you know, it's a very queer experience to date one of your ex's ex. It is. Um, it's a very incestuous pool. It's a very okay. small dating pool. Um, everybody's still friends with their exes, usually, unless it's like a really toxic situation. Um, even, you, live, you live in Chicago. You live in the third biggest city in the country. It's even the case yeah. in a big city like that? Oh, yeah. I yeah. mean, before I lived in Chicago, I lived in L.A. for a little bit. And you will run. You will go to like the one or two gay bars, <laughs> um, even in L.A. I mean, sure. West Hollywood, there's tons. But, I mean, out of those also, there's only so many. You know, right. like, there's like a, a street. And then out of those, there's maybe one or two ladies' nights. So, you know, right. once a week, it's your time to shine. And so that so that, that, that must ring very true in a movie that is set in a Pittsburgh suburb then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, if there's one other gay person in this small town, you don't know who they are. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, so, um, so I, 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 like, like you said, uh, the uh, whole, especially, you know, like, possibly a small conservative town, the staying in the closet for your dad's political career, maybe that is uh, more understandable than I had uh, assumed going into this. But at the same time, maybe it's not so realistic that a drag bar could survive in a small Pennsylvania that, town. I think, is the most unrealistic <laughs> part. I mean, but I, lo I love, that was my favorite scene. It was a great scene. I was like, would this actually be in this town? But at the same time, I would totally go to that bar in that town. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I'm from Indiana. There's, I think, one very sketch alleged. I've never even been there. I wouldn't even want to go there. Um, <laughs> you know, allegedly, there's like one really rundown gay bar somewhere. But I don't know what kind of, you know, people hang out there. I don't know if it'd be my kind of scene. But, um, yeah, and that, I think, was one of the most beautiful scenes, too, because that gay bar scene came right after... Or I think I don't know, Harper or uh, Abby. It came, it came right after the stolen necklace, leaving her alone at uh, from yes. the dinner thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, shall we get into the crazy? How much I hate Harper diatribe yet? Or are we saving that for later? Because well, I can start. Well, no, I think we're we're about there. Because I, what I was going to say was, I think we were in agreement. Because I was wondering, like I said, I'd started out just based on what I knew about the marketing for the movie. I kind of assumed it was going to be a thing where it was literally just exactly like the straight, uh, the straight holiday movie but just with a gay couple at its center and it, it had the thing with the closeted thing and that bothered me because maybe it didn't seem realistic as you've explained it to me maybe it was more realistic because the one thing i was going to suggest was hey if you want to have it be some other hook to this movie so it's not just to put everyone in one place and let it happen you need something else so maybe it is realistic enough to have her be in the closet but at the same time i think we can agree that maybe a better version of this movie is where we've seen the better version of harper and they're just on the same team throughout even if uh, and Harper just treats Riley better, even if she does ask her to maybe stay in the closet for this weekend so they can figure out a way to tell the family. They work Harper together. Abby, yeah. yeah, they work together to figure out a way to make sure that, like, hey, the family is really going to love her. And I still, maybe there's a, a version of this movie that really works that you still have the component of an interesting character like Riley in there, but you just, you have a different dynamic with the two of them. And instead, we got something else. Yeah, throughout the entire movie, Harper just behaves 
in a way that I feel is extremely toxic and at times gaslighty yeah. in a way that I would never treat, you know, my friends, let alone the love of my life who I want to marry. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I think is like what bothered me the most. I understand being closeted is a huge struggle. So we're seeing her at her worst. Right. But that does not give somebody the excuse to just, you know, be awful to someone. So where to begin? Right. So, Hmm. Where, yeah, where do you think? Because there's a there's a there's there's there's, there's, a, lot, there's a lot to pick from. There's a lot to pick from. Uh, I think first and foremost, one of the parts that made me the most angry is so after that lovely gay bar scene where you finally see Abby in a place where she's comfortable and she's talking to Riley. Also, you find out that Harper also did not tell Abby that. Oh yeah, by the way, in high school, I outed my girlfriend in high school told everybody that I had this random lesbian obsessed with me and then everyone hated her. I forgot to tell, sorry, I didn't tell you that, (laughs) but I destroyed this girl's life in the past. Um, so that's, that's shady. Number one. So after that, you know, Abby's like, you know, I should probably be getting back to my girlfriend and you know, Riley's just, Albert Riley's character, Riley's, but just been so nice. She's like, yeah, you know, go back to your girlfriend, whatever. They never, you know, no moves were ever made. Although they, I think they probably could have been made to be perfectly honest. Abby leaves. There was, a, there, there was a lot of tension in just her switching from one side of a booth to another. Yes. Yeah. I don't even think that was so much sexual tension. I think it's just, you see two. It's very, it was very intimate, even if it wasn't tension. Yeah, yeah. You see two gay people at ease in a gay environment where they can just be themselves. And it's the first time Abby can take a breath and she's not gotten that from anybody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's just like, dang, you know, Abby, just, just leave with Riley now. It's still, you know, you can get out of this. I was yelling at my screen during that. Um, <laughs> anyway, leaving that very wonderful gay bar with the drag queens in it, she goes to the most aggressively straight sports bar. Called Fratties. Fratties. <laughs> but also, that's how I see every straight person's bar. Yeah. Like, even before I was out, all of my friends growing up were gay as hell. Um, almost all of them were gay men. So I spent a lot of time in gay bars just because they're way, way more fun, way better music, way more. Everyone's into like looks and looking cool and you can just wear whatever. And I was so into that. Um, every straight bar is just so dry and boring to me, but enough straight person bashing. Sorry. Um, she goes to this very straight bar. All her friends are there being straight. Harper's with all of her friends from high school. They're all ogling at Harper and Connor, her high school boyfriend at the time. And, you know, Harper's still very closeted. She's acting very straight with all of her straight friends. And, you know. Shot, 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 shot. Yeah. Abby's (laughs) very uncomfortable. She's like, hey, like, I think I'm going to go, like, you know, text when you get home or whatever. Harper proceeds to stay out until like 2 a.m. with her ex from high school drinking away. Nothing happens between them. Gets home late. The next day, Abby just like, hey, just want to check in on you. And she's like, geez, like I'm feeling so, you know, you're being so uh, clingy. I didn't think that I had a curfew. And I'm like, dang, like you're really going to just be like, why are you being so oppressive to me? She said, she, <laughs> she said, if, I, know, I, I, I'm being suffocated, which I'm being after, suffocated. after a point when yeah. Abby, Abby had been like very, very chill and understanding and kind of going with the flow as much as could Abby be expected. Been so gracious going back into the closet, been nothing but supportive, let her hang out with her straight friends and her ex-boyfriend for 
almost like the until they closed the bar down, mm-hmm. you know, no qualms, just just wanted to check in, you know, because he got in late. And she's like, you're suffocating me. That's very toxic, in my opinion, um, aside from just casually. And, and gaslighting, like you said. Yeah, very gaslighting, where it's like, oh, like, I'm sorry. I just was trying to see if you're okay. But then, I don't know if you caught this. I did, because it made me really mad. Harper's out, I think, buying some wine for their mom's Christmas party. And she happens to see... Abby and Riley walk by mm-hmm. because Abby is trying to find a good Christmas gift for this white elephant thing. And when she sees them walk by, she's aghast and she like drops a box of wine or something. And she's stunned that they're together and like kind of, I think, mad or jealous about it. Which, honestly, also very weird behavior. <laughs> because, first of all, I mean, that's your ex. It's not your girlfriend's ex-girlfriend. Also, uh, you were just with your ex high school boyfriend for hours, <laughs> you know, and your girlfriend was very understanding. So it's like a weird double standard where it's like, if I saw that, I don't think I'd be like that upset about it. I would just be like, oh, they're hanging out. Glad. You know, I, like, I, well, I don't know. That, I, that, would, I have that reaction. Well, that moment itself, when she was surprised, didn't really strike me as like, as odd because to her knowledge at that point in the movie, they've only had one interaction, uh, Riley and Abby, when they met outside the bathroom the first night mm. they were in town, because when they're at that first benefit where, uh, Riley walks up to Abby when she's outside, uh, smoking a cigarette or no, she's not smoking a cigarette. She's just like getting, get, get, right, 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 right. The, Harper's inside, like glad handing with her dad. Like she doesn't even know they talked then. She doesn't know that they went to the drag bar together. So as far as she knows, they just like bumped into each other outside of a bathroom and now they're walking down the street together. So I got why she would be surprised, but it was like obviously pretty double standardy. Like you said, yeah. when she calls them out for like, uh, hanging out when she, when they're at the white elephant party, it's like, and rightfully Abby's like, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about all the other problematic shit you you've done yeah and also i just want to say too like abby or excuse me riley is the only out person abby knows in this whole environment so it makes complete sense to me that they would buddy up because mm-hmm. when you're in an environment where you're the only queer person in the room you're always looking for somebody to kind of buddy up with so you're not just like totally solo in this weird world of you know conservative straight people um which is probably why like all of my friends in high school and even before that were, were queer ended up coming out like way later. Yeah. I, um, I, I, I personally, cause I'm from the panhandle of Florida, you know, I did not meet, yeah. I did not meet an openly gay person my age until the end of my freshman year of college. Yeah. I mean, people, I mean, I went to a really, really conservative college. I did not meet an out queer person until like one of my summers, like I think summer 2016. Hmm. Um, cause I was just like in the middle of nowhere in Michigan where it was like very, um, probably generally unsafe to be out for that. I mean, all of my friends were out and they were in big cities. So I got my fix when I go and I visit them in New York or LA or whatever. But yeah. So like when you're in that type of environment where like you're always kind of scanning for like somebody who's going to be able to kind of understand where you're coming from. So for me, it made total sense that Abby had to kind of lean on Riley in those moments because she's just looking for somebody to just understand her give her some breathing space well so was it was it those uh, was, was it those moments in the movie that kind of made it evident to you that this film was made by a queer person because you were talking about that yeah. before i started recording and i'm i'm, I'm, yeah. I'm kind of i'm kind of wondering what parts of the movie you had in mind when you said that i think yes i think those exact moments where exactly when you you see the transition of abby 
going from the country club and then going to the gay bar or something. And just, you can, there's nothing's really said, but you can just tell these characters are so much more relaxed, you know, or just whenever I think Abby interacts with Riley's character, it just feels so much more genuine, so much more relaxed. Walls are coming down. That's something they got dead on. That makes so much sense to me. And, you know, on the other side of this, you know, straight person environments, like even at that country club where they're like, I just want to meet somebody or like, you know, and she's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to meet anybody. Like when that guy like came up and hit on her, that's like very standard thing that happens all the time. And you're just kind of like, yeah, cool. You got to know, you got to get good at making graceful exits. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, all of that tracked for me, um, very well. But yeah, the sexual tension of them sitting behind the booth together. I felt that. <laughs> and I was just like, dang, you know, Abby, just just date your ex you date your girlfriend's ex girlfriend. Would you think so, so gay? So Aubrey Plaza is someone who, I mean, I've been a fan of for a while because I'm, I was a big fan of Parks and Rec, uh, maybe my favorite sitcom of all time. But she plays mm-hmm. like a very particular kind of character on that show who is very like enigmatic and not super personable except when she's with – have you watched Parks and Rec? Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, she's obviously finds like a, a kindred spirit in some kind of way. And, and Andy, though, he's a different, very different kind of person. She is like a very like closed off, kind of somewhat angry person on the outside, though. Yeah. She has some incredible acting moments in the series finale with uh, with Amy Poehler, which like mm-hmm. made me know that she has a lot more in her than just playing weirdos. But she played a weirdo on Legion, too, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool because she got to be like in a prestige drama type of show. And so it was like, I'm, I'm glad good things are happening for her. But I can't say I've seen her play regular person a lot. She plays a regular person in Funny People, which is maybe the first time most people saw her because that movie came out about uh, a little before Parks and Rec first debuted. And she's just like a regular comedian in that show. And I just feel like most of the time she'd been asked to play generally just play weird, which is fine. I liked it in certain things. So it was really interesting to see her come here and play like kind of the most chill, normal person in a movie. But at the same time, I believe she is not gay. So I'm kind of curious. What did you think of this uh, straight actress? coming in and just kind of stealing the hearts of like you and all of your queer friends. Well, let let me just say this. I don't know what it is, but Aubrey Plaza is one of those people that the gay community, even well before this, was obsessed with. Really? Always, yes. Obsessed with rooting for her to be queer, rooting for her to be at least (laughs) fine. She's never confirmed or denied. Okay, okay, good to know. We don't even know. Okay. Um... But there, it, I mean, like, that's just something that I've seen right out the gate. She's always been kind of an it person where, like, queer girls just are really into Aubrey Plaza. And she played – and she, like, she was in a movie, Ingrid Goes West, a couple years ago. I don't know if you ever saw that. It was a fun no, movie, but she's – obs- the, the non-smoking weed movie? It wasn't necessarily about smoking weed. There was some of that. But, like, she, she was obsessed with this Elizabeth Olsen influencer character. And mm. that's the thing. She becomes obsessed with the social media star. So it is largely about her – kind of obsessing over another woman but it wasn't necessarily a, 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 a queer movie but uh i just thought of that as another time in which i'd seen her but she, she was playing kind of a crazy right, person like a small q queer icon okay i did not i did not realize not that like till now. share or like a gaga but she's she is somebody that can i'm gonna just say get away with that um and okay get, get away with it well um, so I don't think anybody, Espe- really especially, like especially now that she's played this character, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, she looks damn good in a blazer that I can say. <laughs> um, also just fun fact. Yeah. Uh, when Riley comes up to Abby, when she's outside at the country club and goes, Hey, 
nice jacket. That's how queer people flirt with each other. I was like, oh, he's flirting with her. Well, I, I like kind of stuff that you say. I like how they I had a sh- they had a shorthand too, which was really interesting. Even though they didn't necessarily know each other that well, she just is like, I can relate. And I, one of my favorite moments of the movie was when they were in the in the drag bar, and she's like, what did you, what did you mean by uh, I, I I can I can relate? And she's like, that's just a comment I was making based on an assumption about you and Harper. And at that that's the point in the movie where like I think by watching movies as we have for so long, we're conditioned to think that maybe Abby's just going to kind of keep playing along and denying it. And at that point, I really like that. She just drops the act and is like, says, I think that's probably an accurate assumption. And they can have a conversation without necessarily going into all the detail, but they kind of get one another in that moment. And she stops trying to deny anything. And I kind of really liked that the movie made that choice in that moment. Oh yeah, precisely. Cause then you get that wonderful kind of confiding in another queer person, Mm -hmm thing that's very beautiful and I want to also mention for me one person carried this film on his back and that is Dan Levy as John if he was not in this movie I don't think it would have done very well you might be like what are you saying he's barely in it he brought I think the funniest moments to this movie and some of the most emotional also and I think That's something that I think is very beautiful and also very true to the queer experience of like, you kind of pick your, I guess everybody kind of has like their one person they go to for guidance in the gay community or like their one, like if you're like a new out person, there's always a couple people that you call and you ask for advice or you talk to like that. So you have these beautiful moments of like a queer person confiding to another queer person uh, for that type of support. Riley is that. But John very much is, and also everything he says is completely right the whole time. And hilarious, and uh, except except when, except when it's, when it's he's involved in the more serious moments, which, as you said, he does very well. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're much of a sports fan at all. I don't think you no, are. I'm sorry. But, so I, so there's, there's a stat in basketball called per, which is player efficiency rating, which is mm-hmm. like it, it kind of it primarily measures offensive statistics, statistics in basketball and just like how productive anyone is for how efficient they are and how much they get out of their time on the court. And if they're being very efficient as opposed to taking a lot of shots and not scoring many points or taking very few shots, but still scoring a lot of points. So I actually wrote in my notes, he had a really high per in this PER in this movie because yes. like he doesn't have that many moments, but just like in one phone call that he has, he gets off like three hilarious lines like have you managed to get a man's permission to take ownership of an adult human woman yet which reads even funnier in the movie than it does on the page because of the way he delivers it or then he says right Mm -hmm. then he said also says you can't you can't go more than a year without meeting a significant other's parents trust me i've tried and yeah and that's all within like his first like two scenes of the movie there's nothing more erotic than concealing your authentic selves which all those lines as i'm reading them right here is just a regular straight white dude like they don't sound like much but the way he delivers them it's fucking hilarious Iconic, yeah, yes. just so funny. And, and, and also, also like, well, also just the gay friend is like a trope in movies, right? And mm-hmm. having the gay best friend, I mean, I get maybe it's a little unique to have the lesbian character have a gay best friend as opposed to the, the straight woman having a gay best friend. But uh, it could, but it's not that there's that many points of reference for other movies where that's the case. Yeah. But the fact is, it is maybe like a little bit of a trope. So the fact that like if you're going to have that in the movie, it, it's pretty impressive that they make it feel as special and worth it and unique as it does by getting a performance that is that hilarious and that well written. Yeah, I mean, it was, that's so interesting because I do – I mean now looking at it through straight eyes, if I could try and imagine, <laughs> I get how that is kind of a trope. Yeah, a, a sassy gay man but side character. But it doesn't bother def- me when it's done this well. 
Well, for me, it didn't feel like a trope because I've always had like a legion of sassy gay men in my phone <laughs> the text for emotional support. And they're always the first, you know, they're exactly who you need in a crisis. Not everybody, not all of my friends, you know, sometimes, sometimes I'm that friend, but I mean, that's really my friend group. I mean, when I was living in LA, I forgot straight people existed. So, so for me, it didn't seem like a trope. It just kind of, you kind of end up kind of making your little, um, family unit, um, with those types of relationships. So that felt very true to me. So, so he gives her this guidance at the end of the movie. And I mean, it's one of the more touching scenes because we've seen him just be absolutely hilarious and uh, there for the comic relief for basically the whole point of the movie. And then he gets to have a moment where uh, he is where uh, understandably, because now Harper has denied in front of the entire rest of the characters in the oh, movie. Yeah, uh, I was kind of saving that for last, but 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 but, but, but I want to I want to talk about the end of the yeah, movie, so and then we're going to go back and talk about the other funny stuff in the movie that we've already that we still haven't even discussed. But uh, <laughs> when they have this big confrontation at the end, and the Allison Brie character, her name is uh, Sloan. Sloan uh, kind of outs outs uh, Harper in front of the whole family, and Harper straight up denies it. Abby leaves. Toxic. And yeah, and then John John tracks her down and has the big moment where he kind of like explains things from Harper's point of view, tells his own story, and makes Abby realize, hey, you're kind of lucky because you had a loving relationship with your parents and it was all all roses and puppies when you came out. It's not like that for everyone else. How did that moment strike you to have him kind of giving some sympathy and empathy or however you want to put it to this character that you had found totally toxic throughout the whole movie while at the same time, He's kind of has a point, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily excuse all of her actions. So I thought it was pretty impressive that he was able to convey all of that in that moment. How did that scene strike you? That was, I think, the one of the best moments in the film mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people forget that. <laughs> I mean, I have had, I've had, I have more than one friend who've been disowned by their family for being gay. So that's a very real reality for tons of people. And I know those people. So I was glad that he, I mean, I'm not, I'm not just talking to strange. I'm talking like you're kicked out of my house type of thing. Um, yes. So I'm glad he brought that up because I think it's interesting. Like if you're not watching this movie coming from like a deep red state or a very religious play, you know, without that background, you might forget just like how crazy and how hard it is, I think, for many people to come out to their family. So I'm glad he... He mentioned that and that it is very much different for every single person and no two journeys are the same. Also staying in the closet until you feel safe. Very, very valid. All of that's totally valid. What's not valid though. And what really pissed me off was Harper having the opportunity to be like, yeah, after being outed by her sister, which is horrible to just own up to it. She decides to lie <laughs> in front of everybody, that's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. I have nothing else to say other well, than like, so, who would do that? So my next, my, my next question for you then is you hear that happens. You hear John kind of pour his heart out, explain things, how they must be, explain to Abby things, how things must be from Harper's perspective. I, would, a, would a better version of this movie be where he does that you kind of you gain some sympathy for harper 
and you maybe get one other scene where they talk and kind of come to some kind of understanding, but realize maybe Harper isn't at a place yet where they should be together. And they, yeah. they're, they're able to understand each other, even if they decide they should not be together. Do you think this movie still works when the bones of this kind of movie are such that there's normally just a, a totally happy ending where everyone ends up together? Do you think this would be a better movie if not even maybe she doesn't even run away with Riley, but they just they come to that kind of understanding and f- find happiness and you don't necessarily have a family picture at the end of it. Yeah, see, that's the thing. It's like, I honestly feel, but also I'm not a rom-com gal. Right. I don't like formulaic movies. Honestly, I think they could have gone for, you know, I'm not ready for this yet. (laughs) I'm working on myself. Sorry I put you through that. Also, I feel like we didn't get a good enough apology from Harper anyway, from all this behavior. But honestly, I feel like if they made some sort of where it ended, where they kind of part ways, but they're still maybe together, just like we can take some time on this. And like maybe just John and Riley and her all become friends and then have like a nice little Christmas at the drag yeah, maybe you see maybe you see Harper and Abby having a nice scene where they meet back up a couple of months later at a coffee shop and seem to come to some kind of understanding. Yeah, I mean, I think it would have been sick if like, you know, John, Riley and Abby had like a really nice little like, gay Christmas somewhere and then like, Flash forward, Harper's that you know, like now out to her debt. Everything's fine. They could have done it in a way that I think is like less, P- less putting a neat bow on it. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think I could ever stand next to somebody and still get married to them after they've, rather than coming out, just deny, be like I, we're not together. I'm not gay. Directly in front of your like future wife. Like what? Like that just seems crazy to me. And I think I mean. I, I know enough people who've had those high stakes who did get kicked out. And yes, it was obviously excruciatingly hard for them to come out and they still did it. Um, you know, so I feel like if I had Kristen Stewart as my girlfriend or if somebody else was in that situation, they probably, I think would have just bitten the bullet and come out, especially if they were already out it. Maybe I should be a little more sympathetic to Harper, but I'm sorry. I'm just not. What do you think of Mackenzie Davis's performance overall? Because I think she's a good actress, but it's a that's a hard position to put someone in and ask and play that kind of role. Do you still think she gave a good performance, all things considered, given the character she was given to work with? Oh, I think she did a great job. Mm-hmm. Great job. Had a lot of problems with her wig, if that was a wig, which I think it definitely was. Her haircut was atrocious. I think, sorry, she, I think, but... she's, I think she's a natural blonde who normally does not have bangs like that. Well, yeah, whoever, I don't know, the wig technician or whoever, (laughs) I'm sorry, but you failed. She did a great job, though. I I bought, I believed her as a person, and um, I disagree with a a lot of her choices, obviously, Mm -hmm. but I mean, very believable, very well done. It was just hard for me to have sympathy for her, but that wasn't uh, Mackenzie Davis's fault. It was more so just, I think, the odds were stacked against her because we didn't have that good buy-in of their relationship before. And I'll also say, like, yeah, the acting in this movie, out of everybody, I think was top-notch, which made me really enjoy. I know I spent a lot of time kind of crapping on, you know, why didn't Abby just ditch Harper and get with Riley? But this is a, this is a good movie. It's beautifully acted. I did think it had a total balance. I did think it was funny. And I really want more roles for Aubrey Plaza. 
um, to get a little more dramatic. I think she's a great actress, so I was excited for her to just get some acting chops going. Well, if that's something you're really into, I have not watched it yet, and I don't know if it's about to come out on VOD, but she's in this movie called Black Bear, which seems like a little bit of a horror movie, but apparently yeah. it's like gotten extremely good reviews, and she's the lead in that. So uh, I, 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 that's, that's something... like you, I guess. Yeah, it's, it's something to keep an eye on for the next couple months. I think it's going to be available to those of us who aren't going to theaters at some point in the next couple months. So she, I think our... Pr- our, our, our request will be answered in that regard. I wanted to backtrack, though, and talk about some of the other performances, too, because we've mm-hmm. kind of focused on those two main characters, and plus Aubrey Plaza and Dan Levy so much. I am a massive fan of Alison Brie. I I used to call her like former future Mrs. Jernavoy until like she and Dave Franco oh. got until she and Dave Franco got married and I'm a big fan of Dave Franco so I approved. I did not um, know they were together. They've been together since 2011 where apparently they randomly met at a Mardi Gras parade and I think they got married in like 2017 or something. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I lost my shot, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, so I'm, I'm a very big fan of her. She can do any, she can do no wrong in my eyes generally, but I I know her from playing like a a regular 60s housewife on Mad Men, a a funny neurotic person. On community she's uh i mean she, she's a voice on bojack horseman she's in glow i mean she can she can she can basically do anything and she's had other movie roles so i was a little worried though when i saw that she was going to be like it became apparent early in this movie that her role was just going to be to be the bitchy sister and yeah. i was like kind of scared i was like oh this is not going to be a good use of her talents but i mean she does a really good job of being really funny it is interesting watching that dynamic where the family just shits on her all the time because she gave up her job as a lawyer to quote make gift baskets uh and i i I thought she did a very good job as playing the butt of the joke and i thought they rounded out the family really well with uh mary holland who again is a co-writer of this movie she met clea duvall when they were doing veep which along with parks and rec is my other favorite comedy of the 20th century uh Mm -hmm. or the 21st century and I, I, I just, I just love that show so much. And Mary Holland played a the daughter of a just a t- horrible person of a, a bigwig donor that backs Jonah's uh, congressional efforts. And t- Jonah was played by Timothy Simons on Veep, who has a cameo in this movie as one of the mall cops that interrogates Abby. So there's a lot of connections here. But uh, she and Cleo Duvall met there, so that's how they happened to write this movie. But she plays basically like a horrible person. I mean, she plays like basically someone that's like stands for everything. Ivanka Trump stands for but doesn't even pretend to be a good person is what she plays is is what she plays on Veep so here she plays just about the sweetest person you could ever imagine but still manages to be the funniest person in the movie almost in my opinion while being sweet like sometimes in comedies you a person just relies on being wicked and getting off sick burns to get the biggest yeah. laughs and i often like those characters here she is just so genuinely happy to uh be the be the person that's just there to be uh overly joyous and kind to everyone and somehow still gets the biggest laughs i have a way with routers is an actual line that is yeah. said in this movie because she is dumped on and that's another thing that rings really true about the the, the family aspect of it is that there is uh you're, you're gonna be as old as you and i are now and your parents are still gonna call you for tech advice just today my dad needed my my dad called me because he needed help signing into netflix on his apple tv uh like yeah. that's never not going to be oh, a thing my dad always calls him about that <laughs> right so it's so yeah but she time. she makes something that's as innocent as helping your parents with their technology hilarious so i just thought the movie did a very effective job of just rounding out its cast with like really funny people did anyone else kind of jump out to you was it any of those performances or just any other things about this movie that you really liked with regards to just this this, this really big ensemble yeah, I mean, I, I loved the, like, forgotten middle child aspect of that, too. It made me laugh really hard. Um, 
no, just tons of great performances here. But I also wanted to say just thematically, I really liked how they set up this family. Mm. Uh, they're all about appearances. They want everybody to be perfect. You know, they're talking about everyone's prestigious degrees, all of that, because that felt very true to life. And I think in doing that, what it was trying to do as a film was kind of make people, straight people, understand, okay, do you kind of feel how what it might be like to maybe be closeted? Because that's kind of another way to stay hidden, right, of like, you just want to make your family proud of you by like having that prestigious degree or going on a prestigious career, you know, or putting yourself up in this way to be very successful when actually you maybe hate your job or you don't want to do that thing. I think that's like a really interesting tie-in because everybody, I think, can relate to some aspect of that to some degree, um, gay, straight, whatever. Um, so I think that feeling is like a very small taste in a very small way of kind of what it's like to be closeted. I don't think mm. they're similar, but like it's a kind of a good way, I think, to kind of frame it in a way for straight people to maybe understand. At least that's kind of how it, I thought of it, why they framed it that way. It becomes very apparent what that family stands for and what their expectations are. And just knowing that as well as the movie conveys it, again, even if Harper's really problematic, it can make you kind of understand where she's coming from. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And like that also seemed, while, I mean, that family was, pretty crazy kind of true to life i mean i've met those i've met those families you ever gotten to stay at a really sick house like that uh i wish <laughs> uh, no but i mean like i mean i'm in law school so you see those types of people yeah, yeah. like you can tell they're under a lot of pressure yeah so it's just like wow and i think that was also kind of a, a i don't want to say teaching tool because that's too rudimentary and but i think that was a thematic choice that kind of helped i think a broader class of audience members kind of understand the amount of pressure Harper was under. Yeah, it's a bit of a shortcut to have that mom have an Instagram account where she's trying to convey the perfect picture of the family, but Mary Steenburgen is uh, I mean, she's genuinely hilarious in this movie even as that character mm-hmm. is awful for much of its runtime. She is very funny. Uh, so funny. I, I, and, I mean, well actually, one of the f- funnier laughs I got wasn't even necessarily something she said. I already mentioned the, the orphanage thing, but when uh, she first comes upon uh, John, when he shows up to the house, yeah. I, I like that. We, I mean, these family—they're not good people. They—you've already heard them make a quick aside earlier in the movie when they first, uh, when when they're at that restaurant and they—they're they, talking about Riley, and she's like, "Can't believe the the poor parents have to put up with that lifestyle choice." Is is, yeah. is what they say. So it's like you already know that they're not really good people with this. Though I, I will say, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily bother me that they come around as fast as that did because it, it's kind of emblematic of people of that have those kind of colors can they only really care about other people like that once it, it hits them close to the home front. So yeah. it, it, that didn't necessarily ring false to me that these people are awful, but they, they accept her so quickly. But the fact is, up until they actually find out that Harper is gay, they are they are to a certain extent homophobic. So, uh, so actually, well, I should, I, I take that back. Cause they don't know John is gay. John is hilarious. Dan, Dan Levy yeah. is hilarious when he's pretending to be straight. And he says, uh, he, he comes up and says, yes, I am Harper's heterosexual ex or I, I am Abby's heterosexual ex here to take her back. And it's kind of funny. Cause like, she's this very uppity person that has like a, a very specific guest list and has already fretted over two extra people ending up on the guest list at some point. But she looks him up and 
and down and uh, decides that, like, oh, this guy looks like he fits in enough. He's very well-dressed and put together. I guess I'll let him stay. And that's funny. And then Abby comes up to John, and, like, after he has had this interaction with her pretending to be straight, he says, first of all, I nailed that, and she is fabulous. So that is funny that his reaction to someone who he already knows is horrible just from listening to Abby talk on the phone to him about the whole movie, yet he kind of has that reaction because it's Mary Steenburgen, and she's kind of iconic in her own right. Yeah, well, let me just say this. There is something that I think, and I can't speak for all gay men, but I'm friends with several, mm-hmm. and some of my absolute closest friends are gay men. Uh, any sort of very entitled, very self-centered, kind of bitchy, very much about appearances mm-hmm. type of woman is just kind of iconic to gay men. Okay. And I do, like, I mean, there's something, you know, they love that, archetype because it's just it's funny um i mean maybe she i mean if she was actually like crappy in real life but i mean i could see my friend saying that i'm like wow you know she's kind of bitchy she's dressed really well she's kind of fab <laughs> um so that made me laugh i will also say i think one of the funniest lines to me though is like um when john's on the phone with abby at the beginning of the movie he goes they think you're straight have they ever met a lesbian <laughs> because again kristen stewart that's somebody i think i would probably clock is maybe being queer especially with her lovely little outfit that she's wearing her blazer blazer game is strong strong like who if you're closeted you're not gonna wear a blazer with like a billowy half unbuttoned shirt underneath you know that's just like not a so she's been told I, I, straight person outfit. I, I saw that 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 I don't know if it was you tweeted it or you retweeted a viral tweet where someone's like, "What someone tells me to wear, then they tell me to dress straight." And she yeah. is, <laughs> and, and she and she just like dresses like I guess not someone that's trying very hard to look straight, even though she's still supposed to be pretending to look straight at that point in the movie. <laughs> yeah, I think that the joke of that tweet is like, when somebody tells you to dress straight, you put on the gayest crap you have, <laughs> just as like a fu kind of thing. Right. Um, yeah, so, like, that's just funny to me. And also, I wanted to say, like, Harper's mom, I think, gave her, like, a really, like, kind of more modest dress to wear for that Christmas picture. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of, like, you really get this family's really about appearances. But, yeah, overall, even though I still hold fast that Abby and Harper, I mean, excuse me, Abby and Riley should have definitely ended up together. So for me, that ending seemed that happy. I was like, man, they need to get together. Well, I think I think enjoyed this film. Yeah, I think we've pretty well covered it in that like it's it speaks to how much of this movie has done so well that you can be against the central couple ending up together as they do and still have a decent enough time watching it and uh, dissecting it and rewatching it with your friends that it's it's worth the watch yeah. even if like the central uh, relationship in this movie is something that you can't even get behind you still enjoy it which I think speaks to the how well it is made anyway. So it's funny. It's beautifully acted. Everybody in the cast, I think, is attractive. That's <laughs> fair. So it's a good it's a good watch. Put on some popcorn. Um, I like discussing, you know, everybody kind of has a different reaction. I have gay friends who love this movie. I have gay friends who hate this movie. Straight and gay people have different feelings about it. So that's always just kind of fun to hear people's thoughts on this. So Yeah, okay. Well, I, I, I think, we, again, I think we pretty well covered it. Do you have any other final thoughts before we, uh, before we finish up? 
No, my only thought is I want Kristen Stewart's suit and I want to go on a date with Abby Plaza if she's ever willing. <laughs> Hopefully she finally confirms what you want her to confirm. All right. Uh, before we finish up, Kayla, uh, as we've been doing, do you have any other recommendations for anything you've been watching? I know you just finished uh, your exam period, but have you watched any other movies recently or TV shows that you want to recommend to the listeners Honestly, as they go back to stay with their families for the holidays? I've got, I've got nothing. Okay. And I've watched almost nothing. So I've got a huge, Huge queue on all of my uh, streaming services because I've watched pretty much nothing over quarantine, believe it or not. There you go. Uh, well, I have one recommendation just two days ago, and it's funny. We just talked about a gay movie for an hour and a half, and I'm going to recommend something that's just <laughs> all about two straight people. I started Normal People on Hulu because mm. I, I started I start, I started reading all these uh, TV writers' top ten lists for the year, and it just kept popping up, and I did not watch it really that intentionally. I just feel like whenever it came out earlier this year, I was a little late to it. I kind of missed the moment when everyone was chatting about it, and I just let it get away from me, and I'm like, you know, I'll go ahead and try give this a shot. It's showing up on all these lists, and it's really just a story about these two these two people who are played by uh, Paul Mescal and Daisy Edgar Jones, and uh, and it's about their relationship. It follows them through high school. I'm only through six of the twelve episodes, and follows them from high school to college, and their on again off again relationship, and the different dynamics of how it shifts as they hit different points of their lives, and it, it's really well acted, and uh, it's very it's very sexy, and has shot really effectively. Lenny Abramson, who directed. Uh, room and Frank uh, is an Irish director. It's set in Ireland. Uh, it takes place in a small Irish town and then also in Dublin at a Trinity College, at least what I've seen. I think it's a pretty fun watch, but again, it's it's very, very straight. I don't think there's been a gay person through uh, six episodes of it, so uh, definitely not exactly like the kind of movie we just talked about, but definitely has a lot going for it as well, and it seems like it's a pretty beautiful show, and I hope it sticks the landing. I'm just not there yet, but I think people would enjoy it also on Hulu, so there you go. Uh, Kayla, thank you so much for joining uh, before we sign off, uh, anything you want to plug your Twitter or anywhere else where people can get their thoughts on stuff? Yeah, follow me on Twitter at Kayla Stetzel. So it's K A Y L A S T E T Z E L for more gay nonsense. There you go. I'm uh, Josh Jernovoy, J O S H J U R N O V O I on Twitter and Letterboxd as usual. The podcast Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email, the Rewind Movie Pod at gmail.com. Thanks again to Kayla so much for joining me. Next next episode, I'm not sure if I'm putting this one out or another one I've recorded in order, but we'll have one coming out on Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, the newest from Netflix, which is Chadwick Boseman's final film with Viola Davis and is sure to be a big award season contender. So everyone stay tuned for that. Thanks again to Kayla for joining me. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next time.